Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Hey everyone, being two imperfect therapists, today we talk about the challenges of managing our mental health as therapists. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. I know what I notice. What? It is always raining when we do our podcast, like when we record. Really? Have you noticed that? It now always that you say rains. that, I'm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm realizing that it is always raining. That's so interesting. Is Why? that symbolic of something? I don't know. <laughs> That's where my mind went where I'm like, okay, let me not go too deep yeah. into that, but it is something I notice. I mean, in a positive reframe, I like rain. So okay. my, it's like calming to me. So maybe that. So that's good. That's we'll good. stick with there that. We go. We'll, we'll go, go with, with that. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we're talking today a little bit about our mental health journey as therapists. That interestingly, when people become therapists, a lot of times it's because we've all been through some shit that's led us here. For sure. I will echo that statement. Yeah. So... You know, one of the things I think that we can agree on is the importance of therapists getting therapy. Um, We know that there are such terms such as vicarious trauma, transference, um, all of, you know, countertransference, all of these terms that really um, indicate that therapists should be doing um, the, you know, should be following up with their self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with their own shit, right? Because that's what countertransference means. It yeah. means that our clients are bringing up stuff that is usually a sign that we have shit around it. Yeah. Yeah. Good old countertransference getting in the way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, makes me think of a video and a conversation that was happening recently on TikTok about... Um, A therapist who had referenced that um, clients would are able to trauma dump, which Mm -hmm. is of course not the case at all. Right. If you are a client, you're not able to trauma dump on your therapist because that is our job. Right. That's the point (laughs) to listen to everything that you have going on. Um, But I think it was an interesting conversation because as I reflect on it now, what that tells me is that there is likely something else going on for that therapist that for sure that's so interesting I can't imagine ever being able to use the words trauma dump when reflecting on like a client coming on their first session and just needing to get everything out you know that because that's why we're here right yeah is to hear this person talk about their trauma. Yeah. I I wouldn't you I yeah. I'm having a hard time. I think a lot of people had a hard time when in that video came out that there there was a huge like outrage from people commenting and and whatnot. So, right. 
if I can recall correctly, um, essentially a, a video from a therapist on TikTok had come out and she had kind of done like this cutesy sound or whatever and the 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 text over the video had said when the client trauma dumps on the first session and people came back and were like really understandably very angry and upset Mm -hmm. saying that that's kind of that's what you're paying your therapist to do is to listen to all of the traumas that you've endured Mm -hmm. and to hear it at whatever pace you feel you need to share it at um and that's not the definition of trauma dumping right like even talking about our trauma with other people Mm -hmm. is not necessarily trauma dumping and so it has a really negative connotation to it and just kind of blew up but it makes me wonder what was happening for that therapist and what does happen for that therapist when clients come in and can talk about their trauma on the first session and open up right away um what is it that's getting stirred up in them and I think that that's where we tie back to like counter-transference and talking about our own stuff yeah. yeah absolutely I mean even in our previous episodes we've talked about like how sometimes what therapists choose to talk about or at least specialize in is a pain point right it's something that they can draw from but not necessarily react right because we know that that's what traumatization means it's how mm-hmm. our past is showing up in our present and I'm so curious um Sorry, my mind is going a couple places here because I also remember seeing a TikTok about it was actually from a client's perspective that um, I found really interesting stating like, do therapists work on their attachment issues? Hmm. Because what if you are avoidantly attached and you're a therapist Hmm. is someone's someone having needs and talking about their emotions so confidently and or um you know feeling them I don't want to use the word severely but you know having having a big reaction how does that set in for a therapist who maybe isn't comfortable doing that for themselves this Mm -hmm. is why I think it's so important to for therapists to be in therapy these are you know guys we are human Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going, you know, we're not these magical creatures. And I think that we really need to remember that as things show up for our clients, we live in the same society. Um, we should probably be working on the same things that we're asking our clients oh, to work on if it, that's what's coming up for us. Of course. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and again, you've, you've, I mean, you've mentioned that we talked about this on previous podcasts, so I think it's really something that obviously we both agree on. Um, But what we end up working with and specializing in is often because we've had similar pain points in Mm -hmm. our lives. Um, And that's perfectly okay. Yep. Perfectly okay. But even after we've done a tremendous amount of healing, we still need to be actively aware of how that's showing up. So just as you said, right, you don't ever, you know, just snap your fingers and say, well, I'm no longer avoidantly attached. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to for people who are to be actively working on those things or right. if you have a specific trauma and um, it's getting stirred up in some way that you have to be actively aware of that and I think we're not I think it's like gently encouraged in grad school to like get your own therapy and yeah. seek your own therapist see how it feels to sit on the other side of the mm-hmm. on the couch um, but it's never really like emphasized like should that be a requirement like is that I don't know that's the thought that goes through my mind yeah 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 I would agree 
um I can't I just can't imagine not wanting to I love therapy right you know so you and I (laughs) earlier this week were at a networking event earlier Mm -hmm. and um somebody said one of the questions that somebody had asked was how do you let people know what you do or about your business? Because it was broader than just therapists and there was lots of um, wellness, wellness type yeah. businesses. And and I said, well, I love therapy, so I talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just, it, I think it made every, it made most of us laugh. And, um, but that's the truth. Like yeah. I, when I started my own therapeutic journey, which we'll get into later in this episode, that kind of opened this whole curiosity for me I like dove straight in to mental health and therapy and growth and trying to figure out the inner workings of what makes us us and what makes us tick yeah um yeah so it yeah it's interesting because I think it's hard for me to relate as well when there are people like oh that's not for me but yet you're doing it every day it's your career so right seems I just I get very curious about that. I'd be very curious to to know what's happening there for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if, if part of it, right, we know that um, as the demand for mental health has grown, mm-hmm. um, we've also heard a lot of um, feedback that therapists are not easily accessible anymore. Um, there's a high demand and there's just, there's, a, there's therapists, but also like is it enough for every for you know to go around who knows right um but it it does seem like it's it's hard sometimes to find a good fit and there's this trial and error period that I strongly um suggest people to go through it's it's so worth it one of the things that I have written on my website is that therapy is not a one-size-fits-all approach and neither should your counselor be yeah it's okay to shop around right it's okay to shop around yeah it's it's important for you to know or to feel like you can mesh with your therapist because they are going to bring pieces of themselves. So, you know, maybe do a refresher and go back to episode two, everyone, (laughs) um, where we talk about bringing pieces of yourself into the therapy room. Yeah. It's, um, it makes me just the topic of like therapists, seeing therapists and our own stuff kind of coming into play. Um, how we all have crap to process, whether it be, deeply rooted traumas or just kind of mental blocks that we're experiencing day to day that therapy can be open to anything it doesn't it yeah. does not have to be just because you experience a severe trauma or right. because you have a severe mental illness or anything mm-hmm. like you can just go to get support it's yep. okay to do that and I think that that should be normalized but it makes me think of um <laughs> Okay. Have you heard of the the emo to therapist pipeline? Oh, no. No. What's okay. that? So, emo, like, you know, the early 2000s. Yes. Like, borderline, like, gothic, but listening to, like, hardcore music and whatever. Like, the emo, like, mm-hmm. that's short for emotional. Um, please correct me, people who, who severely identified with that in, yeah. <laughs> in their high school and middle school days. Um. But there's been a joke, and it's probably just curated on my personal For You page on TikTok, but um, that there's there's this pipeline, right, that you have these people who really needed support and were struggling with themselves and their place in the world and where they fit and what that all means and really struggling to feel that they had a place to talk about those things safely um, and 
how a lot of those people are now therapists or in the mental <laughs> health field. And so yes. it makes me, it just makes me chuckle because it, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. that we become oftentimes what we needed when we were young. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. That was deeper than I that expected it to be. But pretty yes. deep, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but a lot of times are, as therapists, we're just trying to fix our own shit too. Yeah. Yeah, no, as you said that, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I can, I resonated with that, um, yeah. you know, and it's a, it's knowing what you need, right? Um, I, I do a lot of, my approach to therapy can sometimes be like um, encouraging clients to take radical responsibility, mm. um, mostly because, not because, you know, we need to become hyper independent and not, you know, not ask for help, but rather because when you know what you need, you can clearly communicate it to someone else, right? So it's not about becoming hyper independent and not having help, but it's about knowing yourself so well that you can be unapologetic about what you need. And I think that is a really important quality um, also with knowing what type of therapist that you want or at least what type of things you want to work on yeah it might not be what anybody else thinks that you need but it's what you need um and the reason I say that is I remember I so my first experience with therapy was at the age of 16 um where I was just having a lot of emotions and just straight up not a good time (laughs) (laughs) um I come from a Latino family and at that a very religious Latino family yeah um so my moods were often written off as I was not praying enough God will fix this God will fix this and listen to this day I still do rely on prayer as a one of my coping skills sure if I really feel like I need that extra support it's just something that feels good about like you know what you got it um and I'll write it on a prayer card. I'll do my prayer at night, but I'm still actively working towards, you know, whatever it is that I'm praying about. But at that time, looking back, I'm like, geez, I had undiagnosed ADHD. I had unprocessed grief because my brother had passed away um, when I was 10. Um, And understandably so, my mom had checked out because she Mm. also didn't know how to cope with her mental health. And it was just, it was a lot. And then everybody was always asking, well, why aren't you making the honor roll anymore? Or why are you having such a hard time in school? And why are you so angry? You're so quiet. How'd you get into anger management? And I'm just, and I remember not knowing what the answer was. Landing in a social worker's office and only being able to do one session because the social worker (laughs) confronted my parents. Oh. (laughs) And I remember on the ride home, they were like, we're never going back there again. How dare she? Yeah. And so anyway, I had to wait until I was in college to be able to actually seek services again because my boyfriend at the time was like, well, you're studying psychology. How do you expect to be a therapist if you're so angry all the time? And I said, oh, my God, facts. (laughs) I immediately (laughs) called out. Called out. I was like, oh, my God, you're so right. And and I went and I, I went to the what is it? The counseling department. Um, and, and I had my first therapist. She was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I got started. Wow. <laughs> that's it. So you started studying psychology before you entered into therapy, before you had had your first therapy experience. Yeah. Well, other than the 
social work office experience yeah I well I started school as a pre-med um okay discovered that I absolutely hated it um and was only doing it because my parents wanted me to and then I took psych 101 and I fell in love wow yeah and it was a all was history after that all was history (laughs) yeah that's interesting because for me I had therapy first and then entered into psychology so I wanted to be a forensic scientist um fancy yeah yeah I really thought that that would be going well for me but I suck at math so (laughs) um but in my freshman year of college I had known I had struggled through high school to like connect I was like severely bullied and really struggled to feel connected to my peers and home was tumultuous and um and I remember going away to college I was essentially running away to college if I am being honest with myself um and when I came away to school and I found a group of friends that I was really connecting with and I was enjoying um I was also still feeling really reactive and angry and frankly I was a bitch to my friends Mm -hmm. and um it wasn't until I had met one of my friends who I'm still friends with today and she kind of called me out and said like you're being a bitch to everyone like what's the deal and I broke down. I was really frustrated and I knew that depression ran in my family. And so I had um, sought out medication, which didn't really do shit for me. Mm. So then I was like, well, maybe I should go talk to somebody. So I called. I just like Googled. I had no idea what I was doing. I just Googled like therapists and I found someone. And my first therapy experience was long, but interesting. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't until after that 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 kind of catapulted me into I want to do this different I want people to have a different experience than what I had in therapy I just Mm -hmm. felt that my experience was really centered around shame and Mm -hmm. like just like gaslighty and it just felt really inappropriate yeah and so um so then I had like said okay maybe I need to change tracks here and I suck at math so maybe therapy would be a good track for me so that's how I stumbled upon that but um yeah it was not a pleasant first experience and I took a hiatus from therapy after that for a while and that's the thing right is that some it's understandable why clients may get turned off from one therapy like a a therapy experience that didn't go maybe the way they expected yeah and we get it right because we've all been there yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. But it was interesting because I think for one of the first times in my life at that point, I paid attention to, ooh, this does not feel right. Mm. I am not being treated how I'd like to be treated and not in a egotistical way, but just in a, this is supposed to be unconditional and positive and nurturing and I do not feel any of that. I feel ashamed and embarrassed and ridiculed. And it just was Mm. like really not what I needed. And I remember speaking up. I walked out of session, mid-session. I was like, this is not, this is not good for me. So I left. And then after I had sent her a text and just like outlined in a big paragraph that like, I felt like she was being very inappropriate and was like, you know, just, I did not feel good in the relationship and that I'd, Mm. I'd be discontinuing. Um, and she was gracious. She said, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it. I'm sorry that you felt that way. Goodbye. But, um, yeah, I think it's, 
uh, an unfortunate experience for people mm. to have when they're in a therapy that doesn't suit them or doesn't right. fit them or it's it's straight up inappropriate or mm-hmm. you know harmful but I think at least for a lot of people that's also a turning point for them to actually speak up and use their voice and say yeah. "Ooh, I'm not tolerating this I know you're a therapist but I'm not tolerating this right and I th- and I think that that is can be later so empowering for people once they kind of frame it in that way I know at least that's yeah it was for me yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's 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 so true. Is you know, like in every field, not therapy, not every therapist is a quote unquote good therapist, um, and that's why it's so important also to do those peer consults and and you know make sure that we're practicing ethically and appropriately um, because again, we're human. Sometimes our emotions may get the best of us, and so it's good to kind of just have some ideas to bounce off of Um, because I know I've definitely like had, you know, my feelings about certain things that happen in sessions or like if a client speaks to me a certain way and going immediately to my support group and saying, hey, guys, like how do I respond to this? Because I know that the way I want to respond, I don't think is an integrity with who I want to be as a therapist to my clients um, regardless of what is happening for them as well Um, so yeah I I think that's I'm sorry that was your first experience that's shitty yeah yeah and and, well thank you I mean it was but I think now as almost like 10 years later I, I I look back on it with a sense of empowerment I think Mm -hmm. that that's that it just I think it speaks to the fact that I believe, like you said, we have to shop around. We yeah. that not everything. She might be a great therapist mm-hmm. for someone else, right? And I'm not knocking that. That certainly she could be a great therapist for somebody else. For me, it was just not what I needed at that yeah. time. And it's interesting because I've um, networked with certain therapists who you know, you're trying to feel out like the referral process and see if there would be a good fit for somebody that you have in mind. Um, and I actually had somebody one time on the phone say with me, I am not rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> I am very direct. I don't sugarcoat things. Mm. I don't beat around the bush. I'm very direct. I am not mushy gushy with my clients. Yeah. If that's what your client is looking for, I'm not a good fit for them. And I was like, wow. I appreciate that that you're upfront and that you know that that's how you are and you're communicating that clearly because whether it's for a client or whether it was, you know, if Mm -hmm. if that was me looking for a therapist, that gives me an idea of, oh, okay, do I want that kind of challenging in session or am I looking for somebody to kind of like hold my hand and wipe my tears and Mm -hmm. all of that? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Right. And I, and I think it's important to note that it's okay to have either, right? Like maybe some people appreciate the directness. Like I know with my therapist, I tell her, let it rip, (laughs) please (laughs) let it rip. Because I, I just have the type of personality where sometimes I need to be checked. Yeah. I just do. And that's okay, right? Like, I think I would actually lose my patience if I had a therapist who was being overly cautious. Yeah. I think I would feel like I wasn't getting anything done. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's just my feel sure. of it. You know, yeah. it, that makes me think. Uh, so, obviously, we both are therapists mm-hmm. who are in therapy. And I think that that can be a very different type of experience. Because I know... F- as I went through my grad program and especially now sitting in the therapy room is totally different than oh, yeah. when I was younger. Um, 
and I work I enjoy working with a lot of people who are self-aware mm-hmm. and have also whether they're therapists or not spent a lot of time doing some deep self-reflection yeah and so I think when you're in that place of being self-aware you know mm-hmm. the game if you will right yeah. like you know all the the tricks and the moves and the pulls and so it sounds like for you especially being a therapist mm-hmm. being somebody who needs to be challenged it's helpful to have somebody who is going to push you yes. rather than just kind of tell you what you already know or right. like not cause you to go forward they're just kind of like keeping you where you're at and holding you and comforting mm-hmm. you which can be beneficial yep at um, times yeah but I think there also reaches a point where we can where we've done a lot of the cognitive intellectual right. work and we really need some deeper processing and that's where I come in that's a, that's the work I really enjoy doing but yeah also in my own therapy yeah. yeah yeah no you're absolutely right and you know I remember um there's also a there's a way I think also for th- therapists to treat therapists because I've definitely had other therapists at the beginning of my own therapist career that I didn't feel quite I've picked up that they were not comfortable Hmm. and we know that if I'm feeling it she's feeling it if she's feeling it I'm feeling it right Right. because it's tangible in the room and I remember her being like just so it felt like she was being so concerned with using the right words that it was almost like she was too preoccupied with making sure that she was saying the right things to sound like she knew what she was talking about rather than really listening because it's like listen once I took that badge off I was not a therapist (laughs) I'm just your client and this happens to be my career and so the therapist that I have now that was one of the first questions I asked her I said do you feel comfortable yeah I did Mm -hmm. I remember I I called her literally two weeks into my um my job at an agency I very quickly felt I was like oh I need to go back um I asked her do you feel comfortable working with therapists and her answer was absolutely because here you're my client you're not my therapist and I said oh that's the one right there or a peer or a a colleague exactly that you are her client exactly yeah yeah Yeah. I loved it I loved it and I think that there is a special ability to help therapists in their own therapy um remove that therapy hat which is something that I struggle with and am actively working on. Mm. Um, talked about it actually in therapy this morning. Um, that in my personal life, I need to remove the therapy hat. And in therapy, I need to remove the therapy hat because I am constantly thinking about what moves she's pulling. I know what you're mm-hmm. doing here. Right. I see, I see you. I see yes. you. <laughs> and she does not entertain that. That no. it's very much, <laughs> wait a minute what are we here for? And, and I appreciate that because I do need to be able to have a separation and Mm -hmm. not be in therapist mode all the time because I'm not everybody's therapist. Right. I am my client's therapist Mm -hmm. and I work very specific hours and that's it. And when I come home, I just want to be Laura. Yeah. I just want to be Laura. And I think it takes a specific, I appreciate that specific type of therapist who can work with that and understand kind of the nuances of 
being a therapist in therapy, which Absolutely. total digression a little bit makes me think of who's my therapist therapist and who's that therapist and who's therapist? their therapist therapist like because mail I carriers my clients things that yeah. my therapist has said yes like not that I not that I heard it from her but I'll be like oh I should bring that into my next session yeah and then I'll say it yeah and then I'm like oh wait where did she hear that from mm-hmm. like <laughs> and on and on and on and on yes yes <laughs> it's funny because that's actually a running joke that my dad had my dad was a mail carrier and he I would always ask like so we have a male, like a, a male person who's theirs. <laughs> and where does it end? Do you, does someone at eventually deliver mail to themselves? Sorry that I just had to <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if this is my physician, who's their physician? physician. <laughs> yeah. It's like shower thoughts. <laughs> um, shower yeah. thoughts. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's, I think that there's, to be mushy gushy about it I think that there's beauty in that that there's that there is overlapping support Mm -hmm. in the community and I think on one hand that's really really beautiful on the other hand can be also incredibly frustrating trying to find a therapist yeah so I'm curious for you when kind of like seeking out therapy or looking for a therapist you've mentioned wanting somebody who challenges you is kind of able to work with therapists is there anything else that specifically being a therapist in therapy that you look for or that you think of when you're looking for somebody to work with I've only had I want to say three therapists in my life Um, so the one at college then the one when I graduated and then the one I've been with now which has been like five years if yeah. not more yeah. um and I think I was looking for different things at each sure. point right so my first one just kind of got assigned to me um because it was um campus counseling oh sure like university yeah services. um and I just got lucky she was fantastic she was super nice but she it was a good amount of challenging I think where for where I was at starting and I think she did a really good job picking up on that um I lied four um, I had one at UNH as well. She was good. Um, oh, I thought that's what you were talking Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I had one at Iona. Um, okay. uh, Iona College is just now Iona University. Oh, like, fancy. Okay. You're, you're just a long <laughs> hallway, but okay. A long um, hallway. <laughs> that's really what it feels like. I think I took you there once. It's like really you did, small. Yeah. You did. I'm just, I'm wondering, I'm like, how did y'all do it? But congrats, I guess. Um, and <laughs> it's just so small. I loved it there, though such amazing four years and then I had one at UNH and she was pretty good but I was I wasn't I felt like I wasn't the best client I kept missing um and so a lot of the work I did with her is learning to prioritize my mental health actually (laughs) so she actually did a lot more I think than maybe she felt she did um because it was with her that I learned to prioritize my mental health um because I missed so many sessions I started realizing like what the hell am I doing why am I doing this like, I'm stressed out. I'm working three jobs, doing an internship, in grad school full time. Yeah. Like, no, I, I should be talking to someone. Um, but a common theme that I've noticed is I've always appreciated people being direct with me. Mm. Um, because sometimes I can be, I can have tunnel vision. And sometimes I, I am very stubborn. That's my personality. And so I sometimes need people to feel comfortable checking me. And I'm yeah. okay with it because I, I really do accept feedback. If you mm-hmm. tell me, 
all right, I'm going to have my feelings, but I know full well those are my responsibility to handle. So I'm good with the feedback. And I think I really have always, maybe not consciously, but always looked for that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's interesting to hear how, I mean, it makes sense, right? That you're in a different place in your life each time that you kind of were looking for somebody. Um, And I agree. I think for the first time I was looking for therapy, I was really just looking for somebody who seemed like they looked like they were nice yeah I really wasn't looking for much more than that because I didn't Mm. know anything else I was just like googling therapists near me (laughs) that take my insurance (laughs) um and then I took a hiatus for a little while um entered into also free counseling services during our graduate program Mm -hmm. if you guys are in graduate school take advantage of that oh yes 100% it's stressful so, and it was actually you, because I remember I was like, Ugh, I should go back to therapy, and I can't find anyone, and I just don't know what to do. And you were like, you know they have free services here on campus, right? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so I did that, and that was really great. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break after that. And when I was in my um, first job out of graduate school, I was looking for a new therapist, and specifically because there was stuff that was getting activated for me in sessions with clients Mm -hmm. and I just knew I had to put a stop on there that um it was not fair to me or my clients to be in an activated space and I needed to really process this unprocessed stuff that I hadn't had the chance to talk about yet and I remember (laughs) going to my director and asking she and I had a fairly close relationship she was my supervisor and I went and asked for recommendations and I had like listed like a handful like this person this person and this person and I said do you know anybody like do you know any of these because I really want to go off of your recommendation I was looking for somebody who would do EMDR Mm. specifically Um, and so I had found some EMDR therapists presented them to her and said what do you think and then the next day I got a message uh, from her that said that she decided to hire one of them. Wah, wah. Uh, so I was really frustrated and kind of defeated in that moment. I didn't know what to do. It felt very uncomfortable. And I think that yeah. that's when I became very aware of how small the world can feel when you're a therapist looking for therapy. Yeah. That it was like, shit. <laughs> like, here I am, like, asking for a recommendation, and then you now she's going to be working here. Right. And I can't work with her if she's working here. So I was felt really frustrated. I ended up meeting the therapist that I am with now. And, um, it was, uh, I'm glad that it worked out in that way. Um, but it occurred to me just how small the world can feel when you're a therapist looking for therapy that you, oh, my friend used to work with that person Mm -hmm. or, oh, my client saw that person or I networked with that person and now I already have a professional relationship with them. And that's a hard part of the process, I think. Yeah, that's definitely true. I don't think I ever like that actually crossed my mind, but you're right because I I distinctly remember having a conversation with my therapist about what happens when we're attending the same training. You know, and like that could get awkward. And anyway, we decided on um, we just go our, our separate ways and, you know, yeah. we, we don't sit at the same table um, yeah. and, and, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, it, it can feel really small. Yeah. Like our choices are limited. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Limited, um, just in this, yeah, just in the sense that it's us tends to be or feel like a small community, mm-hmm. even if you have 500 therapists right. in the state or wherever, um, it can be challenging because it, someone always knows someone. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a particular, you had talked about seeing somebody who specifically specializes or, mm-hmm. or is, has knowledge of seeing therapists. I think that that's a part of that. Yeah. That if you're going to see therapists and work specifically with therapists, there's kind of a different conversation that happens in our informed consent and talking about, um, what that looks like because we obviously in our informed consents we talk about with our clients like if we run into each other at the grocery store Mm -hmm. like you have to acknowledge me first before I say anything and if you don't say anything to me then I'm just gonna go in the other aisle and pretend like we didn't see each each other other. yeah um and I think that that you added kind of a different piece to that that there's you know what does happen if we are at a networking event together what happens if we're accidentally at the same training or we're part of oh shit, now we're in the same Zoom peer supervision group that I didn't realize you're in. And right. so now I have to like exit out and mm-hmm. choose, or how does that work? And um, I th- yeah. Yeah. Makes th- the process challenging. For sure. For sure. And I, I think those can be easily navigated. I think, you know, after those conversations are had, um, you know, but for any budding therapists out there, I, I say go do it. It's just so invaluable. I mean, we're, we're telling clients that this is invaluable to them, right? That they're going to get to work on their things. Maybe they're going to get to experience what positive regard feels like for the first time in their lives. And as therapists, my God, do I love us, but can we please take our own fucking advice <laughs> once in a walk. while? <laughs> walk the walk, you know? Yeah. Um, because we're really good at, at saying it, but I know I catch myself often, like you know, doing the things that I, I'm encouraging my clients to maybe shift out of that mindset. Yeah. And I'm just catching myself doing the same thing. Like when I make a mistake, just talking to myself negatively and I'm like, oh, stop, reframe, let's yeah. practice yeah. those coping skills. Um, because again, we're not, we're not these mystical creatures. We're humans too. This is our job and we just yeah. do our best. Yeah. And I think that that's where at least in my opinion, I think you and I have talked a little bit about this before, but where like deeper and somatic bottom up types of therapy mm-hmm. are vital for oh, yeah. therapists and people who are maybe even not therapists, but feel that they are super self-aware and they've done all of the like aha moments in therapy, right. but are still struggling to connect to it. Yeah. That, um, that being cognitive and knowing all of the whys and the this and the that and oh that's a mental block and oh Mm -hmm. I'm thinking really black and white here and you know if I could just change my thought pattern that that doesn't that that's not all that there is to the healing process and I think um that that can be a sign to go deeper that it's that okay we've achieved some level of self-awareness we understand your patterns where they come from you know some of the whys and and whatnot but now we have to go further with it we have to connect the mind and the body and make sure that it's really resonated in us yeah 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 I am thinking about what you said and I feel like I have that moment a lot in therapy in particular where 
my therapist will say something to me. And I'm like, damn it. I tell my clients that all the time. Yep. <laughs> I say that literally every day. Every day I'm saying what you just said. But for whatever reason, you saying it to me now feels totally different. Yes. Like it just is something that I preach and then struggle with regularly. Yeah. And I just need somebody else to kind of hold me accountable. To right. be like, Laura, doing the thing again. I'm like, shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, it's, I, I have to say it's, um, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I can't imagine what I may have turned out like if I had decided to get defensive when my ex-boyfriend had said those things to me instead of actually lean into why it was said. Hmm. I, I mean, I actually happen to have grown to like myself. Not perfect. I am stubborn and full of will, but I've really grown into liking myself, which if I'm recalling 16-year-old me, that's a vast difference. I did not like 16-year-old me at all. And in fact, some of I, I feel comfortable sharing some of my work now in therapy is, um, is uh, we're doing like a lot of parts work. So I'm getting to actually be more compassionate towards my adolescent self um, because mm. there's still like a lot of, there's some resentment there. And, you know, as a therapist, I have to also lean into how does she come up sometimes with some of the things that I'm working on, especially because I've chosen to niche down with attachment wounds and parts work and all of that stuff where it's like, well, if I'm going to do this work with my clients, I better get very real and have a good understanding of how to accept my own parts. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. First of all, how beautiful and wonderful that you've come to that place of starting to accept your younger self and being able to to love all of you and and your whole self um I think that that's really remarkable and it it makes me think about um how in the process of looking for therapy um we can kind of stumble upon or actively seek out modalities that align with us mm-hmm. um so it sounds like parts work is something that you've connected with oh yeah um both on an individual basis and now that you're integrating professionally um and that's kind of how I started my EMDR journey I yeah. think I've shared that before that um I sought out EMDR became an EMDR client and then the clouds just like parted I was like holy crap this is amazing <laughs> um and I would encourage that, that if there are people who are, um, have like interest in a specific Mm -hmm. modality or approach, go get therapy with that approach. Yeah. Go see how it feels. See Mm -hmm. if you connect to it as a client and if it fits as a client, because it's going to translate so much better in session as a therapist, because you get how they're feeling and what they're thinking in those moments and what that experience is like. Um, yeah, I think that that can be really beneficial. And yeah, yeah, that was my thought. (laughs) Yeah, it it also really helps you know your stuff, right? I think one of the things that we decided when we started making this podcast is to, yes, talk about therapy from a therapist approach, but also what it feels like from a client approach. It helps to know both Um, because I know like when I'm, I have a whiteboard 
the whiteboard is notorious with my clients. <laughs> so my clients who like their sessions to be structured, we pull out the whiteboard and it looks like that meme. Um, I think it's, his name is Dale from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie. Where he's just like, Charlie, that's Charlie. No, Dale is from Horrible Bosses. Yeah. That's his name in Horrible Bosses. Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Um, where he's just like looking frazzled. He's got all the connections. All the connections. <laughs> that is my, my client's joke that that is what I look like when I'm explaining like communication styles and types of attachment. But it's the joy, right, where we get to bounce back and forth. And and my clients have have made it. I don't I personally don't mind it where they're just like, boy, it really seems like, you know what you're talking about. And I said, you know, we've all lived a life Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we have the conversations about it because, yes, yes, absolutely. We are not these people that just have it together all the time. We just have some skill sets and we want to share that. I think that's the that's the thing like Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you've received this comment in like your personal life but I feel like there's a often like an there's often a narrative that if you're a therapist you've got your shit together yes that like even if you had shit in your past now you're fine and you're healed and you're good and because you have all the you quote unquote have all the school tools and skills Mm -hmm. and you know you understand how humans work and blah 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 but I'm still freaking human. Like I still have my flaws. And the way that I've tried to explain that to people is I'll say things like, well, I still have my own blind spots. Yeah. Like it's easy to see things in other people. Mm -hmm. It's so much harder to look inward and see it in yourself. And so, absolutely. but it can be a tool for connection when appropriate Mm -hmm. with our clients. And that's, I think it's beautiful that they feel connected to you in that way. And you're also not like going into your whole life story like you can right. just kind of like wink wink yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yep. without yeah well when I was a kid you know right. like that it it can be a moment of connection and understanding without yeah burdening them with right. all of our stuff yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah um do you share have you had people that have asked like about any like mental diagnoses or if you've been in therapy or anything like that and do you share um I've had especially with my EMDR clients I um, if if they ask, um, like, well, what got you into EMDR? I'm very honest at saying, well, I got EMDR myself, and that's why I strongly believe it works. That has been my experience. I hope that that will be your experience. Um, but yeah, I feel comfortable definitely sharing that I'm a therapist in therapy because to me, I sh- I gotta wear that proudly. To to me, I really think that. That is also showing my dedication to being present for my clients. I tell my clients, you don't have to worry about taking care of me here, especially I have a, if I have a client who, who is prone to people ten, people-pleasing tendencies. You don't have to worry about me here because I do enough work on myself outside of sessions. I seek my support outside of sessions. I do enough self-reflection that I'm here to hold space for you. So I'm actually quite proud to tell my clients that I am also at least once a week in the chair just like they are and when they're like Aida I'm so sorry I actually didn't feel like coming today I'm like I take zero offense to that because oh man have I gotten that some days where I'm just like ugh I know what I have to talk about today and that feels really heavy so it's like I I get it it's almost like I'm able to connect with my client I'm able to offer them more understanding Mm -hmm. because I'm also familiar with the process yeah 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 there's a, a beautiful transparency in that in that experience. I think about even um, on tough days like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you 
maybe your mental health is struggling a little bit more and I am not somebody who sugarcoats how I'm feeling so you yeah. know like the the formal exchanges of like hi how are you yeah um and you know I'll ask oh hi how are you doing today and um as they're kind of settling in and they'll often you know right. return that question and oh how are you and honestly I I almost always say how I feel yeah like I don't just you know oh I'm good thanks mm-hmm. um but on the days where I'm not feeling good I'm literally like well mm, it's been a week yeah and then they'll laugh and go yeah it's been a week um but it doesn't ever have to go further than that right. but I think what that allows to what that allows for in the sessions is to feel that I am not this perfect person yeah. I do not have it all together that's completely normal mm-hmm. and we don't need to try to strive for some impossible standard um but I also can hold space for my own stuff that we're not right. going to go into that. So Absolutely. yeah, it's been a week or hanging in there um, are often responses that I'll share on tough days. Um, yeah. But similarly to you, I, yeah, I, that's about kind of where I share my struggles mm-hmm. if it comes up yeah. with people. Um, I've had a couple people that'll ask if I've ever struggled or if I've been in therapy, um, EMDR, mm-hmm. I'll disclose sometimes um, that journey for me. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. I don't, I I think it's for me personally, and it sounds like you agree, important to create that normalization. Yeah. That if we're going to fight the mental health stigma, we have to be okay with acknowledging it, even in the position that we're in. Right. When it comes up again with appropriate Right, with appropriate parameters and boundaries, because if if anything, I, I almost have to think TikTok and social media a little bit also for that because I think people are now understanding what therapists actually are rather than this thing that people have thought of up to be. It's like no, we're we're still people and some of us have anxiety and some of us have days where we feel depressed and like you said, if we're here to break the stigma, we also have to be okay with being honest about what that looks like. Yeah. That it doesn't always look like I'm in bed for days at a time, not showering. That sometimes it looks like me showing up to work. And if that day, all I have the energy for is to see clients and I have to do notes maybe the day after, then that's what needs to get done because maybe this is all I have space for. Yeah. And that's okay. We don't stop being human just because we're therapists. Yeah. It makes me think of like the wild chaos of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, which could probably be a whole episode in yeah. and of itself. Um, but I do want to ask you, when we're talking about managing your mental health and we're facing such traumatic yeah worldwide nationwide collective experiences how you manage your mental health as it's happening concurrently for you and your clients yeah um that's a big question yeah (laughs) no no you're you're good i i've thought about this a lot and i think it's from what I recall with COVID, it was taking it one step at a time. Um, as therapists, sometimes we can we have to be very mindful of our of our savior complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I did a lot of work on reminding myself that 
my clients aren't the only ones who, who are going through this. And so if I want to keep supporting them, I have to support myself. Um, because boy, did we see a spike. Oh, oh my, yeah. I yeah. still look back and I'm so glad that the conversations are happening, but we already weren't receiving any support, any acknowledgement in this field at all. Yeah. Um, as, as, who we are as part of the medical field as part of the health field and to then very quickly become the forefront yeah essential. with still no supports yeah. was we were swamped right and then we became more, more swamped. swamped right and then there's and it's now the criticisms right like oh you guys are inaccessible or you're you're not you know making it it's like we went from never being acknowledged yeah. like nobody talked about therapy to everybody needs therapy and we need to put and I'm talking about like even the like government yep. and the mass media and like we need you know to push mental health care and mm-hmm. everybody needs therapy and we need to make it more accessible and then now we're still in a place where not much has changed or happened right. and we're still swamped so right. it's and now we're even, uh, we're in high demand right yeah. where it's like some yeah. therapists do have a weak turnaround like time to answer phone calls because we're just so freaking swamped Swamped, yeah we are swamped sometimes I I don't know how I know I can't do it um but I remember when I was doing agency work nine clients a day someone explained to me how I fit nine clients in an eight-hour day yeah I had a a, someone ask me yesterday actually a consultee I was doing EMDR consultation asked me um they're from a different area and it has asked me um is it true that people near you see like upwards of 30 people a week mm-hmm. in, in, in like clinical mental health counseling I said yeah. in in community mental health counseling mm-hmm. excuse me and I was like yeah yep yeah, that's that actually is, the norm. that's and that's kind of low depending mm-hmm. on the agency that you're at absolutely <laughs> um, yep. so yeah it's it it's, it's challenging, and I think the pandemic brought up a lot of that for people as far as being a therapist, facing these unprecedented events, and simultaneously having to process them for yourself mm-hmm. and hold, hold that same space for your clients. That if you are a therapist who has experienced um, domestic violence at some point in your life, mm-hmm. and you repair and heal and grow and now you're specializing in domestic violence there are some of the things that your clients are going to come to you about that you've already done for yourself and Mm -hmm. so you kind of feel that there's like a step or two ahead of them not in a comparative way but just right right. like okay I can handle this because I know what it was like and what how to approach it when we're facing these events that nobody else has experienced before and we're yeah. also trying to hold space for our clients and they're looking to us for answers, support and answers, it's like, uh, I, I, I don't know. And I think for me, I spent much of my therapy sessions during the pandemic just like, as ridiculous as it sounds, like just crying and just mm-hmm. being like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I I myself am falling apart and I don't know how to hold it together together for my clients that they're bringing things up in my sessions that I didn't think about Mm -hmm. about the pandemic and then I'm like sitting there trying to have to like keep it together and pretend like that's not right and then afterwards just like logging off and being like oh oh." for sure 
I think that that's been a huge, as our society and our, the world around us has become more and more chaotic and we're more and more exposed to news and all of that, I think as therapists, it's becoming harder and harder to manage that mental health piece, at least for myself, with our clients who are also feeling that same anxiety of like, what is happening around us? Yeah. My consultant, um, I, cause you know, I'm, I'm also doing EMDR. My consultant mentioned something that I thought was like, wow, it, she was right. She said, remember that in the past when we were doing EMDR, when we were administering EMDR, it, it's very different from it is now because now it really appears like everyone has a baseline level of trauma Mm-hmm. And then everything else that follows. Like now it's like everybody on a global scale mm-hmm. went through this life changing event, mm-hmm. sometimes with little or no support. And yeah. we know what unprocessed memories can do. And so, yeah, I think everybody's yeah. walking around with a baseline of like exposed right, wounds exposed that are just wounds. like yep. getting like reactivated, salt thrown in them. Mm-hmm. Like every time you open your phone and you're like scrolling TikTok or Instagram and you see a funny meme and you laugh, ha 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 ha, then you scroll and then it's a train on fire in Ohio. And then you scroll a little further and there's like military shooting things down and then mm-hmm. there's you scroll over there and it's ha 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 this funny thing happened to me at the grocery store and it's just this like up and down, up and, down and up oh, yeah. and down and in and out of that window of tolerance and it I, I it's a lot as therapists and clients yeah like it's just unknown we are treading on new territory I think in the mental health field and it's I think it's both exciting mm-hmm. refreshing and also really fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I um I think we can find comfort in that as therapists, as clients ourselves and, you know, a s- certain capacity we don't have the answers, but we can certainly help everyone guide towards one, one that makes sense for them. Yeah. Um I think that's honestly Ugh. the best that we can do. I love that you said that. I love that you said that because I think you're exactly that you're absolutely right. Like, gosh, 30 minutes ago, I think we were just talking about right. not having all the answers. Yeah. That that's okay. Yeah. That they know themselves best. They they are able and capable of meeting their own needs and we can help guide them there. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really the the crux of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was a really great conversation I feel like there was so much that we covered and examined and looked at and wow but it was a very good topic and I'm glad that we that we went there today yeah me too That, that felt good so be sure to tune in next week where we will talk about the different types of work settings that therapists may work at throughout their careers Until next time, sincerely to imperfect therapists. therapists.